Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can press all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither. But hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. Welcome to the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast, where our goal is to recruit, educate, and inspire new hunters and to entertain the rest of you. Without the mentorship of responsible, conservation-minded hunters, this passion as we know it faces an uncertain future. So please stick around and be sure to check out our Facebook group, Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast, and like our main page at Foul Front Outdoors right after this episode. All right, welcome to podcast episode number five. Today we've got Matt from High Prairie Sportsman, who's going to be talking to us about decoys and decoy strategies. All right, it's a good show. Go ahead and uh, we'll listen in. Okay. All right, Matt. Well, why don't you give us a little introduction? Okay. Hey guys, Matt here. Um, I helped find or I helped founded uh, High Prairie Sportsman. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, basically, we're just trying to make outdoor videos around Nebraska, but also around the country too, but mainly Nebraska. Um, a lot of waterfowl content. We got a lot of fishing content coming this summer, so ch- uh, check that out. Um, I know Ben from college. That's how we met uh, yeah. through our good friend Tony Wyatt. Yep. Um, I think we even. Uh, I think you were like you took me on one of my very first duck hunts. Um, in my formative years, that is where did, we went somewhere up north, uh, uh, Lincoln and, um, we stopped at oh. some diner. I don't know. We had a, we shot a few green wing. Uh, I think that was Wildwood. Oh, okay. And then, yeah. uh, went to the old dingaling. Yeah. The dingaling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's no plug for the dingaling here, so uh, we're not getting <laughs> any money. Uh, but no, just kidding. Um, 
Yeah. So Matt, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you do with uh, High Prairie Sportsman? Yeah. So um, I guess I, I run most of the social media accounts and I do like all the video editing right now, other than I guess Ben does some too. He's got his own playlist on there. So you guys should check those out and tell him to do more. Yeah, not, uh, as ex- not as expansive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's about all my goals right now or all my uh, responsibilities right now. Uh, we are starting to lead into more, uh, what am I looking here? Merchandise kind of stuff. So we got decals on the way and we might be doing shirts and hats here soon. So stay tuned for that. If you guys want some of those. Sweet, sweet. Um, you think uh, maybe in the future we'll have you on to talk about, uh, you know, uh, how we film hunts and how to capture some of your memories while you're out there? Think that's a possibility yeah. someday? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we can do that. That's something I'm actually, you know, I've just been learning it on the fly. So I, I love talking about it to new people, people that want to, that are interested in it, basically. Sweet, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I try to cut my teeth and try to record with just my, my one GoPro and a uh, uh, camera uh, from my phone. And uh, I know that uh, your stuff looks a lot better than mine. I don't know if I have to play with my settings or something, but uh, yeah, I spent actually, you know, I just had, uh, we just had our first baby here and we spent all morning this morning uh, listening to you and Devin shoot some, some ducks on, on YouTube. So. Awesome. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, congratulations. If you guys don't know, Ben is a new father. <laughs> yeah, I think I've plugged it a few times. And, uh, you know, okay. I, I don't think uh, it's not as tiring as uh, the, you know, multiple duck days in a row, you know, going out, <laughs> you know, morning, evening hunt on Saturday, morning, evening hunt on Sunday, and then catching like a morning hunt on Monday. I think I've been more tired then. Um, yeah, <laughs> but we're pushing it. We're getting close. You're just getting your practice in. That's right. That's right. So, well, so today we're going to be covering uh, decoys and decoy strategies uh, with Matt from High Prairie Sportsman. And so I think that we should just, uh, I think a good base to start off is going into the types of decoys and um, covering what there is out there on the market, kind of what you use. Um I think we'll just start it off by talking about the different species, sizes, and then like positions. Uh, people, you know, you think, oh, I just go get a mallard decoy and, you know, that's it. But there's <laughs> magnums, there's, I don't know if there's minis, um, sleepers, butt up, that kind of thing. So, yeah, there, I mean, there is, the sky's the limit when it comes to decoys and you can make your spread as expansive and, detail oriented or you can make it as uh, complex as you want or as simple as you want and i guess it's really depends on your region and what you you know what you're going after to hunt um so do you want to take this spin or do you want me to yeah no it's good so i mean like what kind of species do you run because you you hunt mostly nebraska sandhills um uh, is that the plat and the loop i saw there or yeah, we do. We do some of the plat. We uh, we'll go back east and we'll hunt like uh, the blue, and then some of the lakes around Lincoln and it, the areas like that. Yeah, uh, just kind of all over the state. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, I'll just I'll just jump right in. Okay, if that's okay. Go ahead. Um, 
Yeah, so what I have basically for my spread is I run AVNX and I run Greenhead Gear, and I like those mainly for the reason that they have really high detail. I just like how they look. Um, right. The only, and I mean, I'm not plugging those, the, not plugging those by any means. That's just the what I like to run. I just like those because how detailed they look, how nice they look to the ducks. Yeah, yeah. I think that we kind of fall into. Um, not two different camps, but um, kind of different spectrums when it comes to decoys. I, you know, you like the the high detail, like, and I think you probably spend a few bucks on your your decoys, and uh, probably take a lot better care of your decoys than I take care of mine. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm the garage sale Craigslist guy, and then um, paint them up myself, um, kind of dude. And I think both ways work. It just depends on. Uh, how you're getting into it. I, I know, I think that you, you're, you're a little bit more of a minimalist when it comes to throwing spreads out. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, you know, doing public land hunting, how we do, we can't really load up, load up a truck or, you know, a decoy trailer and haul it right. out there. So we got to kind of be selective with what we're doing. So that kind of dictates what we got to use. Yeah. So I think that speaks a little volumes, you know, you're getting it done with less, but being more efficient. And I think I make up, for what I lack in, you know, quality of my decoys um, and technical knowledge probably with numbers. I think you talked about that uh, in one of your videos that I saw. Um, <laughs> but – Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, go ahead. And then – so I guess let's talk about, you know, a decoy is not a decoy is not a decoy. There's mallards that are in, you know, butt-up positions. There's mallards that are in sleepers, preening feeding, you know, just kind of, I guess, talk to why that they have all those positions, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, well, the answer, I mean, that's pretty simple, really. Uh, When you see a duck, you know, they're not, they don't always look the same. You know, there's ducks, they're, they're feeding or they're, uh, they're, uh, I don't, whatever you want to call it, preening themselves, sleeping, they're they're doing a whole bunch of different stuff. They're they're not just you know standard like a standard floater, just head up, not moving at all. That so that's kind of I mean when it when decoys first started out, that's what it really was was just you know just the standard decoys head up, and that's what we're going to work with. But as you know, duck duck hunting has advanced over the last I don't know probably two decades. You see those more intricate de- decoys. You see. Um, you're just trying to find that realism factor with them. I think yeah. is what is what it really boils down to. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's important thing is is realism. <laughs> you know, if you got a bunch of uh, statues versus you know duck decoys versus uh, you know an actual live spread, you know, there's some huge differences there. Not everybody's looking the same, and, and that makes that makes a lot of sense and um, kind of a good transition into like. I guess they have different sizes for the same reason. Um, you know, not all ducks are the same size, but I think when it comes to, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, they have magnum sized decoys and, and that's not so much just to add, you know, like realism to the spread. It, it's more to catch the, the duck's eyes um, from further away and then just add that variation in, in size. Yeah. Um, so, Basically, how I understand it is ducks and geese don't have like they don't have they have poor depth or no depth at all. So they right. can't really see like space 
And that's what how things like silhouettes work for ducks and geese is yeah. they don't have that depth perception that like humans do because the eyes are on the side of their head rather than straight forward. Yeah, that's why um, I think when you like <laughs> – I don't know if you've ever seen the, the – when a, ge- a goose is coming in, is his head's going back and forth left and right real quick. And I think he's, he's trying to – you know because he's really yep. only got 2D. He's not got predator eyes, so – Yep, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, that, but that, that's why them oversized decoys work like that. Um, that you know, they don't really see like, oh, hey, that's a really big duck. They just like, oh, look, this duck sticks out more for some reason to us, so we're gonna go land with it. Right, right, right. So I think that's a that would be an interesting future topic, and I've touched on it a few times, especially in the two episodes ago. I think just uh, really how ducks see, because uh, I think that. You know what I mean? We yeah. spend all this time, you know, picking out these camos, and uh, does it matter? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, some, one of those things. And then you know, like, you know, you can completely ruin a, a a hunt with some ice on your decoys, and we'll we'll touch on that later. Um, but yeah, so we've covered you know different. If there's a species of duck out there, there's a decoy for it, right, Matt? Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, and uh, some cost more than others. I think your generic one that you're going to get is the regular-sized mallard uh, statue head-up position, and that's probably like any variation off of that uh, adds yep. price or uh, detail. So I guess we'll just transition now into uh, the different types of decoys when it comes to like uh, – first of all, we've got the floaters, you know. That's your standard, uh, you know, plastic decoy or I guess foam decoys too is what they used to use. But uh, those generally, you know, they wind up in the water and th- that's probably what you're thinking of when you're thinking about decoys, the the floater decoys. Um, and I, there's a lot of different uh, variations as, as we said uh, when it comes to those, but – I don't think we have to spend a, a whole awful lot of time on the uh, the floaters portion. <laughs> of yeah, it's pretty basic. <laughs> yeah, um, and then you've got um, your land realm decoys that wind up on on land, and uh, you want to just talk about some of the different types of decoys that we we put on dry land or, yeah. or shallow water. Yeah. Um, so. Most of these, with these land decoys, it seems there's more variation in goose decoys specifically rather than ducks. Like, I don't like, – for talking to, like, shells um, and, you know, let's just talk about shells. I don't really know of many duck shells that exist out there, but there are tons yeah. of goose shells out there. Yeah, yeah. And That's it, an accurate statement. So, <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, there, there are land decoys for ducks, like the full bodies and mm-hmm. – there's there's silhouettes out there for ducks too, but I don't know if there's are there socks. Have you ever seen duck socks? I I, I think know. I have actually. They I can't remember the company um, that does it, but yes, there are socks. Um, okay. For ducks, and just so y'all know, so we'll back it up a little bit. Shells, um, shell decoys are basically they look like a floater decoy, but they don't have a bottom to them, and they're extremely lightweight. Usually the heads pop off of them, and you can carry a bunch um, into the area because they stack on one another. Uh, and obviously they, they can't float um, 
so they you just set them on the ground and it looks like a, a duck or a goose that's laying on the ground. And then uh, he was talking about socks, and that's essentially you want you want to explain socks, Matt? Yeah, so socks are just like a little tube of some kind of material, and they just catch the wind. And when there's wind, they'll move around gently, kind of with you know as the wind blows, and the wind will fill them up too. So they just they're really lightweight. You can smush a bunch of them together, carry a bunch of them out to the field with you, which is what you want on for like land decoys. Um, they're they're pretty. You'll see a lot of socks for, I mean, you'll see some for Canada goose hunting, but it's a lot of snow geese too. Yeah. They like to use socks. Yeah, absolutely, and they, they that gives some good motion into your to your spread, and and you know, can Canada geese they don't like they don't like too much motion in the in the spread, but uh, I'm assuming snow geese do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so prevalent. But all right, so we've covered shells and socks, and then we've briefly mentioned full body decoys, and that is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, it's it's just a uh, it's just a full body decoy. Usually, it looks like uh, the duck or goose is standing. They're pretty hollow, but they still can add up in weight just because of the amount of plastic or material used to make them. Um, but they're they give that they give that extra sense of depth compared to like uh, silhouettes. Um, they they kind of it, it just depends what you want them for. You know, uh, you got your shells. They'll it looks like the birds are kind of resting or feeding or whatever. The full bodies look like they're standing up and feeding, or they'll be you know you have a couple sentry positions or a bull talking like Canada goose here again. Um, it, it just kind of. And they'll make them with different head shapes and kind of postures and stuff. It just kind of adds more variation into your spread. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of guys that will yeah. tell you that you can only kill Canada Canada geese over full bodies. And uh, I would say that too if I sunk, you know, 12 grand in into decoys and then another six grand into a trailer. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen there's full bodies they sell? They're like $1,000 for half a dozen. Yeah, no joke. Saw it on Platte River Mafia. Uh, I think it was last December or something. These guys were selling them for like eight hundred, and there was guys on there. They were like legitimately interested, and they're like, "Yeah, these whatever kind of decoys they are, they go for like a thousand bucks or twelve hundred new." I'm like, "What? Are they, are they stuffers?" No, they're. I don't know what they are, but they they put them right in their kill hole, and they just I I don't know. It's supposed to just make the geese just come right into you. Gosh, they better be like robotic and like <laughs> call for me, like <laughs> exactly, um, and shoot the geese too. Yeah, they better. Yeah, they better. I better just set them out there and then come back and have a you know a bag limit full of full of geese at that point. <laughs> um, nah, just kidding. Um, but what what I said, stuffers. I didn't even have that written on the paper. But uh, there are some people that literally get geese taxidermied. Yeah, and use them as as the decoys, and that's about as real as you can get, don't you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, if you if you do it right, and uh, I know that stuffing is really it's really common for sandhill crane hunts because there's not a lot of those decoys out on the market. Okay, uh, but yeah, go if you look at like different sandhill crane outfitters or videos, they actually they'll kill their cranes or whatever, and then they'll skin them out and make uh, make another decoy out of them, essentially. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's and that's uh 
I have something on that later, but we'll save it. We'll save it. I'll, I, I wrote it down. We'll remember it. Okay. Okay. So we've got shells, full body socks. Um, let's let's hit on silhouettes, silos. Yes. Yeah, so silhouettes, they're just flat decoys, basically. It's like a two D print out of a duck or goose. I guess you can make them. We've made them out of like plywood before too, and yeah. then you just paint them up yourself. But they're just two D versions of that. And once again, they work because, you know, ducks and geese lack that depth perception. Um, so it, they'll turn and then it'll look like there's a bunch of geese there and then they'll right. turn another way and now they're all gone. But uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know. <laughs> you ever hunted over uh, over silhouettes? We have uh, like a dozen of them. Just we'd put them on the bank when we were for yeah. geese and they they seemed to I mean, it, we shot geese, so it didn't hurt them. Right. They right. didn't find it. Yeah, I think um, I think that's a really good way to break into goose hunting because you can actually do a pretty good job on some DIY ones yourself or like get some big owls. I think is like the number one brand in silhouettes, um, and you can carry a not even a boatload. You can carry more than a boatload um, <laughs> yeah. with one dude. So yeah, definitely a good good thing to look at too if you're just starting goose hunting. Um. Right. Well, let's talk about getting some motion into the spread. Uh, let's just hit on some of the uh, the motion decoys that are on the market. Okay. Um. So starting off, you know, I guess we'll just go with spinners. So you guys, you've been around waterfowl in the last, I don't even know, 10, 15 years. You've probably noticed these things take off, like Lucky Duck, Mojo's. They're basically, their winds just spin around in circles. It's supposed to look like a duck landing. Um, when they first came out, they were lethal. People were just stacking birds. And now you got to kind of pick and choose when you want to use them. It, it, it really depends on the day. Um, in my personal experience, I found that cloudy days don't really attract them as much, but a sunny day can. I don't know. It just looks more naturally natural or something. I have no clue how it works. But uh, I think – so we'll talk about some mojo strategies later on in the episode. I think okay. um, I think though it's safe to say for as many different hunters as there are in North America, there are that many opinions on when mojos work and when mojos do not work. That is – yeah, that is accurate. Yeah, I think so. At least uh, I know the only arguments – well, maybe not the only arguments. The only – some of the most – Biggest arguments I have in the field with my buddies is over one, whether or not shot string exists, but two, uh, motion decoys, like <laughs> where the spinners need to go, whether or not they need to be out. So, um, so there's as many different, I think I've seen green wing teal. I've seen definitely mallards. I, are there any, did, did the spinners have any other, uh, really breeds that they do i don't i i think there's a gadwall out there now i know mojo made a shoveler last year as a joke <laughs> nice it's it's an ugly looking decoy it's is but, it yeah it it uh you gotta go search it after this it, it's pretty funny but uh, hey, man, i green, think that's green's green it. right <laughs> that's true that's true but got a uh, limited green heads so one uh one thing that I do, and I don't know if I've told you this in the past or if you've just seen it in my videos, 
You know, I own four spinners, and they're all Dove spinners. Okay. And I use those during duck season very successfully, um, and they're cheaper. You know, what is a uh, what is a Mallard Mojo run us like what seventy bucks Ooh. or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, them them darn uh, Dove Mojos they they cost about thirty, I think. So I can get about twice the spin in action for you know the same price. Um, people have definitely given me some crap about it. And then people have been like, ah, well, all right, well, whatever works for you wouldn't work for me. So, um, but like I said, we'll, we'll get into mojo tactics a little bit later. All right. So moving on from spinners, um, I know that I went to a Ducks Unlimited banquet this last Christmas break and I actually lucked out and got one of those uh, mojo or those Higdon Outdoor Splashers, the Pulsator, excuse me. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, it splashes, you know, it's got a little sump pump on the bottom of it, and it, it looks pretty cool. Uh, and it seems, I put it right in the kill hole, and it just adds that extra bit of um, splashing and realism. Looks like a duck feeding, so. Yeah, I've seen those. They kind of just, they like spin in, does your spin in circles too or something? No, no, no. It's just the one that, it's got a pump on the bottom of it, and then a hose that comes out and aims it right at the, the butt. Um, okay. It's a, it's a feeder decoy, and it spits the water at the butt, so it kind of like has this rocking motion, and it creates a bunch of splashing and stuff like that. Okay, I'm thinking but, of the ones like they have a little wheel on this, each side of them, and they kind of just spin. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen those too, and that's the other thing too is is you have spinner decoys that they sit on poles, and then there's spinners that are floaters too. So, um. But yeah, back to those splashers, you've got the ones that kick water out, and then you've got the ones that, yeah, like Matt was saying, um, it has the little orange feet that, you know, pedal in the water. It's pretty cool. Um, and then I've also seen, have you seen those swimmers and those those keel motors that they have? Yeah. Yep. You ever, you ever use anything like that? No, but I think that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. There's... I actually saw a video of this guy. He took like one of those little remote control boat motors, yeah, yeah. and he put it underneath a decoy, and he was driving it around. And then that would be fun. Didn't he, I think. Didn't he throw a um, a bobber with a hook on it, and that like he was retrieving his ducks that way too? Oh, I don't, I don't know if I seen that one. Yeah, no, that'd be smart. Yeah, yeah. You you don't have a dog, right? That's, no, no. Nope. Yeah. Um, and then I don't have a dog. That's. <laughs> worth taking out so <laughs> you know anymore at least and uh so that'd be something that'd be pretty nice but um all right so back to the motion so we've hit the spinners and the splashers and then there's flappers i know i've hunted over just a goose flapper before um over in, in a in a field just once it seemed to work pretty good i don't yeah it's i mean i've they look kind of kind of goofy looking, but I, they seem to they seem to do the trick. Uh, I've hunted with them a couple times, but I mean we've killed geese with them every time. Yeah, and just to give you a visual, if you don't know what the flappers are, they, it literally just looks like um, a bird is flapping his wings, and they usually come on tripods. So, if you don't want to shell out all the money for these different kinds of motion decoys, there is the old trusty jerk rig 
Yep. Um, you want to talk a little bit about jerk rigs? Because I know some people, you know, people in Pennsylvania and Washington, they can't use battery operated um, decoys. Yeah. So uh, jerk rig is probably the oldest motion decoy out there or decoy motion system, I guess would be more accurate. Uh, basically, it's just a string with an anchor on the very end of it and you have clips on it and you clip them to your decoys and you just pull it and it looks like four or five ducks are kind of just, you know, swimming in a line or moving around. It's, it's making, it's breaking, uh, breaking up your water. You don't have like, it looks essentially glass out there because that doesn't look natural to ducks at all. Right. Uh, it just makes ripples, just makes, makes it look like ducks are feeding or just swimming around having a good old time. Yeah. And, um, I think, I think the jerk rig is probably if you're going to, you know, if you're just starting out and you're going to get a dozen decoys, um, if you're debating on whether or not you're going to get that second dozen, go ahead and spend the what, 12 bucks to get yourself a jerk rig instead. Or you can, there's DIY versions of it out there too. It's it, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty simple. And, and honestly, it's a, you know, we talked about quantity versus quality, and that really ups your quality to add to add some motion to your spread. Yep, and uh, I guess the last thing that really can improve your spread is confidence decoys. If you want, you want to jump into that? Yeah, let's do it, man. Okay, so um, personally, I use coot decoys. And yep. I've gotten some weird looks and even some laughs when I show up in the morning with my coots. Um, people, people are like, are you gonna go coot hunting? I'm like, heck no! Those are those are confidence decoys. People, you know, um, out here where we hunt, there's coots everywhere. They are you don't see ducks on the water without coots. It seems like so. It just makes sense that our decoy spread should reflect that because we're you know once again yeah. going back oh, to yeah. that realism factor. Um, uh, we're in the same camp on that one, man. And you've, you've heard my story about when I first started duck hunting and I had a bunch of crappy decoys and I painted them all like coots cause those were the only birds I was seeing out where I was hunting and I didn't know the difference yet. So yeah, I, yep. I've got, I've still got about a, a dozen coots left in my repertoire and they're super easy. You just hit them with black paint or truck bed liner and then paint the bill white. Like, yep. You know, it's. Really easy. If you want to cheat, you know, want to repaint your decoys for cheap, that's that'd be the route I would go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then besides coot decoys, um, I guess really confidence decoys aren't a specific. It's it's not a specific type of decoy. It's just how you utilize decoys, and then um, the different kinds of decoys. You know, so a goose. A couple geese uh, decoys at the edge of your goose at your duck spread. That that's confidence decoy. Yep. yep. Um, they got heron decoys or even yeah. swan decoys. Mm-hmm. Even if you can't hunt swans, you know you definitely can't hunt herons. But yeah. you put those in, and they just add. You know, it just makes those birds feel more comfortable diving in. It's one less thing that they can. You know, they're like, oh look, this thing is here, and they don't get shot at, so I can land with these and be safe. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got a, yeah. I got a spot that I'm going to be hunting this year and, uh, it is covered up in trees basically all the way around it. And it's got just this one spot where I can set up a, either a blind or a layout blind. And I think I'm going to take my, uh, my deer target 
and set that out there like it's <laughs> taking a drink. That's we'll try that confidence decoy out this year. See if uh, see if the ducks are bo- bothered by deer or turkey. What do you think? <laughs> I'd be very interested in knowing the results of that. I think that'd be that's a good idea. As always, this episode is brought to you in part by High Prairie Sportsman, a group of conservation-minded outdoorsmen and women who have a lot of great content over on YouTube. Just go search for High Prairie Sportsman over there and you'll be entertained for hours, and you might even learn something. They're very close friends of the show, and without them, uh, a lot of this stuff wouldn't be possible. Okay, back to the show. Yeah. As long as it's not rifle season, I guess. That's a great... I'm writing that down right now, Matt. Gosh, but you're you're in Kansas, so I don't I don't even know if they have a rifle season unless it's like late rifle. Dude, I I don't know. I haven't shot my 270 in probably six years. I you know I'm a bow hunter now, and that's what I spend all my time on. And and actually, though, I just watched you your reaction to your your buck during was it last year or last year's? Yep. Uh, yeah. And I thought to myself, oh, man, I got to go sight my 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 rifle in. And, like, that's one more hunting opportunity that I can get in. And um, actually, you know, the, the places where I hunt deer, I got a, a buddy who owns some land up in Nebraska up by Bolus. And that's uh, – oh, it would be a chip shot with, with my, my rifle. But <laughs> um, – but yeah, okay. So back to confidence decoys. Sorry for talking about for. for, for no, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So essentially, um, and I I don't know if this technically qualifies as confidence decoys, and we'll we'll get into the different components of the spread and the different f- formations or types of spreads you can set out. But um, I usually put um, one or two decoys right in the middle of the hole. Of my kill hole, and I call that my, those are kind of confidence decoys. So it's just how you array things, because um, like it might look really strange to just have a bunch of birds over here, a bunch of birds over there, and then this big old hole, and nothing yeah. in that hole. So, yep, those are those would I would I would count those as confidence decoys. I mean, then right. that's the first that's what they're teeing in on when they're looking to land. They're looking at those two, so. Yep. If they're not good, they're going to peace out. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, it's important to let new hunters know if they're getting into waterfowl season and they, they're trying to decide whether or not they're going to buy a dozen duck decoys or half a dozen goose decoys. I think the best duck decoy is a goose decoy. I don't I don't know how you feel about it, but... I would agree. Yeah, so... That being said, I love my duck decoys because you can just throw a crap ton of them on your back and head on out. Yeah, um, I guess. How do you have yours rigged up? Do you have them in a bag, or do you? Yeah, so Texas rig them, or I, you know, I've got different rigs for different situations, and right now I'd say. Well, I'll tell you right now, none of my decoys are rigged right now because I cut them all because I was so frustrated with them this last season. Uh, <laughs> and, I ended it, and I'm going to end up buying me some of them lifetime um, rigs. Have you heard of them? Uh, no, I don't think so. They're like a steel cable covered in plastic instead of just oh, okay. the monofilament. So, yeah, like most 
um, decoy lines are monofilaments, right? And they have a lot of line memory. So, like, if you have them wrapped up on the keel, they'll, like, be all bent. Um, if they hang up wrong for a while, they, they get a little memory in them. And then all the monofilament uh, that I've – plastic little wire that I've been buying, like, it lasts maybe, like, two seasons with the way that I hunt. And so I'm tired of every summer, at the end of the summer, when fall comes rolling around, I'm sitting out in my garage, cussing at myself, crimping plastic line onto my decoys. So I think I'm just going to buy once, cry once, like, on these uh, lifetime decoys, uh, rigs. But that takes us back to our, you know, things. Those are called Texas rigs. And Texas rigs are just, it's a plastic line. With a loop on one end and a free-floating weight that just – you grab them by the loop and then they're all hanging there. Yep. Uh, that's that's what I like to run. That's what I have all my decoys on actually. Um, all my duck decoys I guess. My my goose decoys I have keel wrapped. You know, it's just yep. a decoy cord and you tie it and you wrap it around with a – I got lead weights that you can bend around the keel itself. Right. Keep them secure during transport. Right. The – the the thing that is uh, that I have with you know my Texas rigs versus my keel uh, weight or my keel wraps is that I've been hunting a lot more not you know deeper water lately. So like you know my Texas rigs, I I basically put them as long as like I can reach them, so they go up to my waiter line, you know the the top of my waders, and um, the. The cow ponds that I've been hunting lately, they, you know, I can't throw them out uh, more than, you know, 10 or 15 feet without them floating away. Because um, I think I think it's important to let people know that, like, the Texas rigs, that's really for a little bit shallower water, wouldn't you say? Yeah. 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 I would agree with that. And then, uh, you know, so about 50-50, I put half of mine on, on Texas uh, rigs, and then the other 50% I put on keel wraps. And I, I make sure I keep them separated. So if I'm hunting short water or excuse me, short water, if I'm hunting shallow water, I'll use the Texas. And if I'm hunting a little bit deeper, I'll use my keel wraps, which I keep about 12 feet longer or, or whatever uh, I'm hunting. And, you know, you don't have to undo the whole thing. So, yep. Yeah. Um, you have any experience running like long lines or anything like that out in the middle of a lake? I don't. I think that's more of a sea duck diver duck you know big water kind of decoy strategy if if i'm thinking of the same thing you know um i it's kind of i from what i understand is it's almost like you doing a jerk string without the anchor or something or you have the anchor i don't know exactly how it works but right right so it's safe to say neither of us are real big diver hunters (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but yeah i think once again with uh the way that you're rigging your decoys really depends on how you're hunting. If you're hunting a bunch of shallow water and ponds and, and river shallow, you know, uh, slow moving rivers and stuff like that, I think Texas is the way to go because you throw them out there and then you pick them up and they're it picking up Texas rigs is they de- you, you know you redeploy those things just as fast as you deploy them when it when it comes to um, picking them up. Oh yeah, that's that's why I like them. It's just simple, yeah. easy. Walk around with your waders in the clip, and you just pick them up, and you don't get your hands as cold True. when it's like freezing. True. That's that's yeah. the main reason. 
Yeah, with the uh, with the with the keel wraps where you wrap them around the keel and whatnot. You know, you got to think. It takes a little bit longer to unwrap them, and then it takes a little bit even longer to rewrap them. And you're getting your hands wet and your gloves wet. And uh, but everything has its uh, um, ups and its downs. And then you can obviously you can buy these things pre-rigged, where all you do is just hook them onto your decoy, or you can go out and make them yourself. All you need is some monofilament line, a weight, and then uh, some metal crimps. Yep, and uh, I guess I kind of went between... I bought a rig... I, I bought a, a do-it-yourself rig. I've got Rig'em Rights on, so I just bought all the materials from Rig'em Right or Cabela's, and yeah. then uh, I made them myself, so that way I could control like the length of them. And I took out the free-floating weight, as you know, usually you see on yeah. Texas rigs. I put one of those crimps in front of it, so it's down at the bottom. It'll stay there. So it doesn't bang um, around when you're when you're walking through the woods or something. Yeah, just yeah, just nice. something I like to do on mine. Um, I don't yeah. know. I I'm pretty happy with how they turned out. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, and. Um, Okay, I guess that let's let's wrap it up on rigging, um, and then let's move let's into the the meat and potatoes. We're almost forty minutes in here. I hope you don't mind just going a little bit longer than we talked about, since we're kind of on a roll. No problem. Let's do her. All right, man. Um, so let's talk about. Everyone wants to talk about. Okay, how do I set up my spread? And then it's immediately. Oh, check out this diagram. Check out this diagram. I think you and me are in the same camp that it's a lot more important. There's. It can be broken down. There's components that go into spreads. Um, yep. You know, there's effects that you do. So. Yep. Uh, I guess the first thing, and it probably should be mentioned, I know you guys touched on it in a previous podcast, but uh, the first thing I look at when I'm setting up my spread is wind direction. Mm-hmm. That, because, I mean, you're going to hunt where you're going to hunt, and sometimes the wind's not always going to be perfect, but you can make it. You can make you can have a better hunt if you set your decoys up so you, they work how you want to as best as you know as best as they can in the wind and for the spot you're hunting. Um, right. And that's right. just yeah. I guess do you want to go in here on some of these or? Yeah, as I was thinking about it, um, I I got to you know sitting down and analyzing the different um, effects that I, I want to achieve with my decoys and. That's a little bit more important, I think, than just saying, oh, hey, let's throw out a V or a, a lazy J or an L. Um, and I think the first effect that we can both agree on, when, especially when it comes to wind, is a backstop. I want to stop the ducks um, or geese from going any further than my kill hole. Yeah, yep. Kind of kind of slow them up or kind of, kind of direct traffic almost is what – what we're right. trying to do. Right. I want to make sure that they don't fly over um, out of my gun range, you know. So what I'll do is is basically um, whatever the wind direction is, obviously downwind is where you'll you'll set your your backstops. And usually a good, you know, portion of that is is what's the effective, you know, range of how, how you know, your gun or where you're comfortable with killing these these things. Um and so, you know, I think it's it's good to say that like a backstop would generally be a pretty good concentration of, of birds 
probably like 60% of my spread is devoted to, to stopping the birds. I got you. Um, I guess I can, well, yeah, I don't, I guess I, I, I kind of just, my, my decoy spread is a little different. I guess we can talk about that during yeah, the formation sure. part. Um, sure. I'll, these, these terms are kind of, you know, I haven't really not too familiar with them. So I'm kind of, kind of visualize how I, you know, how I do it and in, in relation to them. Right. Right. And that's the thing too. And like we just said, so for every, for the different amount of hunters out there, there's a different amount of opinions on this, but I, I yeah, I think everybody kind of has this backstop thing, you know, where, okay, Hey, we don't want the ducks to go or geese to go any further than this. So let's, you know, we'll stop them there. You know, not a lot of, maybe not everybody uses that technique. But it's a technique I think that is pretty common. Yep, yep, I would agree with that. Um, so I guess we can go into pushers. Yeah, the, the so that's the next component. Excuse my, you know, I wish I could have come up with cooler names for these. It's just you know <laughs> concepts that. Um, so a pusher, so a pusher component would be like, okay, I see that the ducks, uh, especially on a river. Uh, they're they're landing too far away from me down the river uh, because they feel confident. They see my good bunch of my backstop over here, and then they say, oh, well, we'll just put it in here, and then we'll swim this way. So I'll put pushers at the other end of the upwind end of my, my spread so that they go, oh, okay, well, if we want to get to this knot of birds over here, we're going to have to land over top of these um, these birds right here. Um so generally just something to like make them like, okay, hey, we're not going to land there. There's already birds there. We're going to just push past into this open spot. Yeah, I, I like that. That's I kind of do that too. You know, you especially like you said, river hunting, I think it's about the best place for it. Um, you're once again trying to direct traffic with, with your decoys, um, and you just you're leading them to the kill hole essentially right. is – what we're trying to with uh, what we're trying to do, yeah. Another another thing too that kind of uh, a way that it played out for us um, when it really pops in my mind, other than river hunting for pushers, is um, we hunt this small farm pond and we've you I've sent you a bunch of videos from hunting that, and um, they would like to a lot of the birds you know they wouldn't land near the shore they'd like to land right in the middle uh, of the pond and so. On our way out on the to pick up the first ducks, we would dump about a dozen and a half, two dozen um, decoys into the middle of the pond, and they would either put short of them or they would pop right over them into our our kill hole, and uh, yeah, just kind of like forcing them in a, past a, a certain distance. Yep, that that I, I I have seen those. You guys did you hunted it great there. I like what you guys were doing. That was. And some good video too. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. That was. It's always nice when you can get on private land exclusively and not have to worry about fighting other people, and you can really pattern the birds there and really know what's going on. Yep. So I guess we've been talking. We've been using this, you know, all this uh, terminology, kill hole, landing zone, all this stuff. I guess we probably should kind of talk a little bit more about that. Um, right. 
Go ahead. Yeah, okay. So in your decoy spread, you want to leave an opening or I guess – I guess generally, I won't because, you know, there's always an exception to the rule, but generally a decoy spread, you want to leave an opening for the birds to come in and you want to be set up on that opening. That is what a lot of people would refer to as the kill hole or the landing zone, whatever you want to call it. That's where the, that's where you're wanting birds to land. That is where you want to put your best decoys because that's where they're going to be looking at last. That's their, that's their final uh, destination basically. And you, so you want to have it, you want that spot to look extremely inviting, basically perfect. Um, and you want to be set up on it or close to it so you can, because that'll be your best shots. That's where the birds are going to be. That's where they're keying in on. That's where you want to be. Um, right. It's basically, I guess other people call it the X. And yeah. that's, that's where you want to be. You want to be on the X. Um, that's, I think that's, Pretty much covers that. <laughs> That's a very simple, yeah, yeah. You got it. You hit it good. Um, so after landings, you know, the landing spaces, the the kill hole, the X. Um, one thing that I found this year is you can use decoys for concealment. Like I just called them concealment decoys, and uh, it really started because this these farm ponds that we were hunting, there's nothing around them, literally nothing. And so how do you hide three bumps, four bumps uh, of layout blinds or A-frames? We just couldn't – we couldn't hide from them. And so we just piled a bunch of decoys around us um, and just hid in the decoys and we'd even – uh, I even on on the end of my on the feet of our deco of our excuse me of our blinds we would zip tie uh, a shell of a, of a goose decoy and um, I think that's another important mention at least having some decoys right up on top of you to kind of take the eyes off of you and put them on those yeah. decoys. Yeah, I know they do that. Um, they do that in snow goose hunting a lot too. Uh, otherwise, like you said, you'd have four or five or, I guess, snow goose hunting, 12 bumps stick out in the middle of a field or wherever they're hunting. Um, and that really, you know, it, it raises some questions in the bird's mind. So anything you can use to help help conceal, you know, that it's right. I know and another thing too you. we've done is um, hunting out in the middle of a lake. Uh, I mean, you, we could stand in the middle of the lake, but what we would do is we would brush up our our boat really good, and we'd all sit in the boat, and we would have a knot of probably thirty or forty teal decoys about fifteen yards um, in front of us, with a bunch of motion, just a jerk rig there, and then any time that the uh, the ducks would get, you know, obviously that's pretty conspicuous to have a big a big uh, clump of brush out in the middle of a lake we would pull on that thing and that'd just give them like something to look at while they're coming in and we'd you know pop them then so i like that i like that yeah um i guess going back to landing zones now or you want so you want you want to leave the landing zone open but you need so you need to have fillers around it to you know direct them back towards right. where you want them. Right, right. Uh, 
do you want to go into that or yeah i i think it's important if you've got several um spots that are inviting for a duck to land in um you can't hunt all, you know, three or four of those spots or one or two of those spots, you know, simultaneously. So I think it's good to just throw, you know, block those spots, uh, fill up the spots around it to really create that shape of that landing zone and really take away the bird's options. Yep. Yep. And they don't, I mean, and even if like we don't use the biggest spreads, like you said, um, We'll still use a couple decoys to kind of, you know, take out that option or kind of just form basically a loose landing zone, kind of like just the, you know, we're not we're not throwing out big spreads, but we're we're using one or two decoys strategically placed to make that landing zone. So it's kind of the same thing. It's just doing more with less, basically. Yeah. Um. So so when when I just want. You know, so people hear fillers and just don't think we're throwing out four dozen decoys in one little small area, so the ducks <laughs> right. can't land there. Right, right, right. That that's that's true, and it, it can it doesn't take much to dissuade a, um, a a duck from to not land in something. It's one or two decoys in a spot that's like, oh, that really takes my options away. I, I'm gonna have to. Really flap my wings to get down in there. Where right here, I can just glide in real nice and easy. You know. Yep. So, I think the biggest thing when it comes to all the components within your spread is, like we touched back earlier, realism. Um, you don't want to put decoys a place that a duck isn't going to be. You know, you, you don't want to. You got to watch the birds and make sure that you're you're placing them in in things that are realistic. Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, and a lot of that goes back to scouting. Um, some, I mean, I guess we can I could talk about this in the general formations too. But scouting is very important, at least for us when it comes to decoy spreads, because it lets you know what the birds are doing with the what the you know what the current weather patterns are doing. Right. So like you don't want to go out there and just throw out, throw out a spread. I mean, you can throw out a basic spread and you can kill birds still. I'm not saying that, but if you scout and you get it, that it just adds to that realism factor and you might not have them circled four times. They might circle once and drop in or right, right. on public land, they might come to you instead of the other guy who has four mojos going and, a huge spread or something, you know, uh, but that, that's just the realism aspect. Um, we just try to keep it as real as possible. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, early season, uh, it's not real important to have 10 dozen decoys out there because that's not the way they're, they're coming in. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. But I guess we talk about these formations now. Yeah, yeah, we've been mentioning it long enough. Let's let's just jump into it. Okay. So, what kind of, you know, when generally when people talk about formations of their decoys, they're they're talking about letters um, because they generally kind of look like the shape of that letter. So, you want to just talk about some of the the things that you utilize? Yeah. Well, um, so. There's a bunch of different ones. There's the V, V or U shape. It's basically just a horseshoe kind of shaped uh, decoy spread. 
Uh, you know, you got two lines basically on the back end and then a bunch in the front end. Mm-hmm. And it's one of your most basic decoy spreads. Um, I would say a lot of people use it, and it's you see it in all these decoy diagrams. I mean, you look up decoy spreads online, you're going to find the V or U shape. Um, we actually don't utilize that one too often. Yeah, I don't think we used it at all last year. I, I, I've utilized it on um, big lakes just because I had to channel them somehow. And like I'm talking yeah. about we had decoys out like 80 yards because they were coming in so hot. Like we were just kind of funneling them. Okay. So um, I'm not really sure what the W is. Is that just – yeah? Yeah, no, so it's essentially – and I'll talk about this too uh, in some advanced strategies that we had. But um, we had ducks coming in from multiple different kind of angles, and we had basically two shoot points set up. And so it literally just looked like two V um, or U-shaped setups going into two different spots. And we had you know two shooters over there, two shooters on the right because we could not pattern the birds, and they were just being – erratic so we had to spread out a little bit and ended up just basically creating these two v's and i think the the only time i used the u's or the v's is was on this big lake in new mexico where they were just coming in even the puddlers they weren't they weren't up top they were coming in low like you didn't see them until they were 50 yards out and they were just skimming the surface um and they would get pushed (laughs) into our, our, uh, kill holes by just basically following these, these decoys. Um, it, kind of an interesting hunt. Okay. Yeah. I guess, um, the one it's I almost, can talk about, Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. So go ahead. Well, I, I was going to move on to the deco spread that we use, use more than the other two that we just mentioned. Right. Um, uh, that, uh, be the L or the J hook. Mm-hmm. Um, even then we don't use it too often, but I really like that J when you have a stiff wind, um, that is perpendicular to how, where you're hunting, like right, right. you're facing one way and it's, it's a crosswind basically. Yeah. And you'll see them grouped up a lot at one end. Um, you know, just kind of ride in those waves for, especially divers. Cause we have some divers out here, so I'll throw them divers out and the coots out there, and then some mallards closer to the bank. And then I'll run a little, just a kind of a broken line along the cattails or whatever cover we have because, like, they're kind of resting in the, you know, in the yeah. uh, calmer water. And that seems to do pretty good. Depending, now, when, you you, know, when you have your, your L or your J, do you have the long part of the <laughs> letter or formation? Is that near you or is that across from you? It's near me. I like okay. I like to keep it extremely open. I like so there'll be ducks right out in front of me, basically, or decoys right out in front of me, because it looks like they're just chilling out in some you know some of that calm water, and I'll right. even have a couple geese at the end, very end of it, and kind okay. of like offset from that end of that J. Um, yeah. But they seem to key in on that big group, the hook of the J, when when you have that stiff wind, right. I've tried I've tried both ways and I you know I found I think nominal success for having them closer to me it's plus especially when you're hunting steeper banks you don't really have the option to throw uh, those decoys out 
as far to uh, be able to create <laughs> the some space in between you and the long part of that letter. So I think that's an important, you know, reason keeping them in the shallower waters and whatnot. But I think you can use that that J formation um, either way. Yeah, yep. It, it, it's definitely uh, site dependent. I would say. Yep. Oh, that's everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yep. So okay. That's I, I don't really use uh, letters or you know, these set formations like this. Cause I think a lot of people get into that stuff and they, uh, I think you summed up what's your mantra or whatever it is for your decoys. Uh, be different, be different. Yep. That's, yeah. that's what I, that's what I believe in. That's, that's why we have, I mean, you think about it, the general duck hunter and we're, I mean, we're going back a little bit here, but they're going to have, the general duck hunter, maybe two dozen mallard decoys and some goose decoys. Right. And that, you know, just your fair weather hunter going out and uh, we're going to hunt when it's nice. We're not, oh, it's cold. I'm not going to go out. That yeah. that kind of hunter is who I'm talking about. Um, what we do, you know, we do the different. We have the coot confidence decoys. We got diver decoys. We got teal, a puddler pack, which a whole bunch of different puddler ducks in it. Um, and then different, different mallard kind of decoys and those all, you know, they, they just are different than what other people do. And when when birds are seeing thousands of decoy spreads over all their, you know, over the migration, how many U formations do you think they see? How many J formations? Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Yep. So we just, basically my thinking is, is throw something different at it. If they don't like it, they don't like it. And I'll go change it up. But at least they're seeing something that, you know, they haven't seen thousands of times before, hopefully. Right. Um, yeah. And that's, that goes, that's scouting back into that too. I mean, you see how they act naturally anyways. So it all, it all connects. (laughs) Yeah. I, it, it does. It all, it all comes around and all relates to each other. Um, so, Let's talk about spatial relationship between individual decoys. Okay. So I, I know that, you know, you, you, you hear stuff thrown around there a lot, like pairs, family groups, bachelor flights, singles, you know, what, how do you adapt the spatial relationship between your decoys? Are they a foot apart? Are they three feet apart? Are they grouped together? You know? Yeah. Um, so I guess, Really, all I do is I'll, so I'll do some groups, uh, just kind of like flocks that randomly, depending on the weather, they're kind of there. But late in the season, I really love pairs. I love to do mallard pairs. So I'll yeah. put like a hen and a drake, a uh, hen usually in front, like the drake's chasing her or something. And that's usually about a foot, maybe two foot apart, depending on what I'm hunting, if it's a lake or a right. river. Yeah, you're, you're mimicking them basically pairing up as the season goes on, like we talked about, you know, um, in duck behavior. Yep, exactly. Yep. So. Um, that goes back, ties back into that realism aspect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'll put them about a foot apart or something late in the season, trying to mimic that duck behavior. Uh, I'll even have a couple, you might, you know, you might have one hen and two drakes or even three drakes like they're 
competing for her or something like. Yeah. Or you might just have a couple of drakes. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Or I guess Um, courting flights is what those are called. Courting flights. Yeah. Yep. Um, Singles. uh, I guess. You know, it just kind of depends. You could put if you have like one specific kind of duck and like say you got a whole bunch of mallards on this river or something and, and you have like one bufflehead decoy or something kind of maybe put it up more uh off by itself or something yeah i yeah i guess that they kind of decide more dependent really yeah um, i think i think um yeah and then when it comes to like bunching up all of your decoys people always tell you like hey don't have your decoys like bunched up real good because that kind of shows like kind of dangerous not relaxed whereas if they're spaced out it it looks more relaxed but i have walked up on many a pond and many a a a duck spread an actual duck spread when it's really cold and when they're like feeding like crazy uh they are bunched up and so i will group my decoys really tight together when it's freezing out because that's natural i do the same I do the same thing. It's when it's cold they're they're going to be really close together and even when there's wind and there's snow or rain coming they're going to be even closer together yeah. and they will land right on top of other ducks it seems like because they yeah. want to all get in that big group. Yeah. And yeah. And then I'll also when it's, you know, when it's kind of a, a warmer day or something like that and I know that everybody's got their birds all spread out and looking all relaxed, I'll I'll concentrate all of my every single decoy that I have and I'll put it in a bunch and then I will add as much motion to that as possible with as many duck butts around the end of it and just make that thing look like a, a feeding frenzy. And that seems to work really well and being different, you know? Yeah. And it, it would also work um, if you're on a heavily hunted lake, mm-hmm. everyone has everything spread out and then you have yours all tight because, uh, hunting pressure they'll also get you know they fly up they'll go to the other side of the lake but they'll all be in nice and tight because they're stressed out they're kind of you know they're they're weary or leery of danger so that kind of that that's one more like realistic duck behavior um i'm not saying it'll always work but sometimes it it doesn't hurt to try new things like that yeah exactly exactly yeah, and so I think we've covered quite a bit. I just want to spend – if you got another 10 minutes with me. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. Um, I just wanted to go over some advanced stuff that I've learned uh, you know, uh, throughout the past couple seasons and stuff that you might not pick up as a, as a new guy for a while. And I just – I was watching – are you familiar with who Fred Zink is from AVNX? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. So he changed my – freaking world when you know we'd be hunting um out there not me and not me and fred <laughs> me and my buddies <laughs> would be would be hunting and um man the, the spread's not working all right everybody pick everything up they're all landing over there let's haul everything over to the other side of the pond dang it well what fred zinc does and i saw this on one of his shows he literally you know he's got his whole spread set up and they're all putting in on the other side. <laughs> he leaves everything in place, grabs a different blind system, and sets up over there. And he calls it the nobody's home. And so he's got his whole spread that's worked over there. But the decoys, you just move to where the ducks are landing. 
He, you grab maybe a handful of decoys instead of picking up your entire spread because you know they're landing over there already. Yeah. You know? And so there's something over there that they really like, and your spread is putting them there somehow. You don't know how. But, uh, you know, instead of moving everything, you know, move them on over there. Just, you know, <laughs> get over there quick, and you don't have to have nearly as much work. Yeah, and that, that goes back to your pusher decoys there. Yeah, They're yep. pushing them over there. But, no, that, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that, but that I could see how that would work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and then – go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. While we're on the Fred Zink topic, I think he was also the one who said uh, – someone's like, what's the best call or something? And he's like, the best call is like decoys or something or uh, yeah. location yeah. or something something to that effect. Like, yeah. you know, it doesn't if, – if you can be completely silent as long as you have good motion in your decoys and your spread looks good, you're going to get birds in. Like, Yeah, there, there's a reason um, – Calling and calling techniques are like episode number 12 for us. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it just – I remember my f- entire first year, I didn't even have a duck call. Well, I did, but I never used it. I just blew on the whistle every now and then. But um, Another – moving on in here then, another cool trick that um, I picked up. I don't even know where I picked it up, uh, but I grabbed a – little bucket full of uh, rocks and gravel. And what I would do is when the – because I didn't have a lot of motion in it. It was just like a dead day, no wind. Um, When the birds would turn away from me, I would chuck a handful of gravel and rocks out into my spread, into the landing. And then, you know, they would – when the birds came around, they would see all the the ripples and um, the motion from those rocks. And – I mean, I've got away with that a few times, and I've found some nominal success from it. I don't use it so much anymore, but it was definitely what I did before I had motion for my spread. Hey, I mean, whatever works. Uh, what has that? I'm trying to think of that saying is uh, something is the key of innovation, or necessity oh, yeah. is the key of innovation. Yep, yeah. Yeah. So, hey, whatever works. If it works, then, you know, right. nothing to complain about. But. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're just kind of fast, rapid, you know, firing things through here. This is just some if, – if you have something that you think of, go ahead, just chime in. But I've okay. got a rule. I've got a rule. So we talk about, you know, setting out decoys, and I've got three times that I don't throw decoys. I place them. You know, I don't let them get wet. I – I gently place them in the water, and I've got three rules for that. And um, when I don't throw decoys is number one when it's freezing because if I get water on top of those decoys, they're going to shine and they're going to glare. Yep. So I keep them dry as possible. Uh, Number two is when there's unknown or variable depths. I do not (laughs) throw a decoy. I know that my Texas rig, um, it can only – you know, I can, I can grab all my decoys because I don't go past my waiter uh, line or just a couple yeah. inches below it. Um, but I one time I had my my rigs and I was hunting the the Rio Grande down by El Paso, Texas, and that thing is generally really shallow. And I hunting hunting a new spot and I didn't even didn't even get in the water. I was just throwing my decoys out there, throwing them out, throwing them out, throwing them out from the the bank. And I was like, sweet. Um, 
you know, shot some ducks. Um, they were all on the near side. And when I went to go pick up the far side decoys, I could not get to them, Matt. I, <laughs> cause there was a channel in between. Oh, <laughs> um, that was too deep for me to cross. And I went under that was the first time I ever soaked myself. And then I've done it on the farm pond too. Cause it had pretty steep banks. I just, yeah, just a little bit of a toss, not even, you know, a couple feet from where I was standing and sure as sure as heck, man, I'd have a, a decoy floating halfway across the dang, uh, pond, you know, in 10 oh. minutes. Yeah. Um, and then the third time that I don't throw decoys is when I'm hunting a super muddy lake. Um, cause we know when you get your decoys muddy, it doles them up. It, um, and that's actually how you lose paint on decoys is mud. When that mud sits there and dries, um, yep. it dries out that paint even more. And then when it flakes off, it takes paint with it. And, uh, plus I don't like cleaning decoys as much, you know, uh, I'm sure that's a common sentiment for everybody. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, when it's super muddy, murky water, I place them. When it's unknown variable depth, I place them. When it's freezing, I place them. I don't throw them. Yeah. Now, obviously, if I'm running behind, I end up throwing a few decoys. Yeah, I I really agree. Um, I don't really have run mm-hmm. into the unknown variable depths too much because where we're hunting, it's usually pretty shallow. Um, yeah. and we don't really have muddy water, but that freezing temp, I cannot agree with more. Um, you know, that's one way that'll just ruin a hunt, especially if it's sunny, if it's cloudy, yeah. it's not that it's not as big a deal, but if it's sunny, those things are just going to shine and you're not get. I mean, you're not right. getting any, anything. <laughs> no, no. Um, and then another thing we're just kind of rifling through here. Um, when you shoot a goose. That's one more decoy for your spread. Yep. That's – we We actually – you can see that we did that in a couple of our vid goose hunt videos. We made those into uh, into sleeper decoys. Yep, yep. Yep. Um, and then I know I mentioned – I would just skip it uh, in the sake of time, but I know I mentioned it earlier. But uh, we had – we were setting up on this uh, – the lake. Um, you know, I was telling you like we had our boat out there and – it's like ankle deep water, um, but what we ended up doing was is the ducks were coming in every direction because um, either the wind was variable. I can't remember like if it was just blowing every which direction, or if it was minimal wind, so they didn't care. I can't remember which one it was, but we set up decoys all around us, and there was three of us. One of us faced um, to the left, one of us faced to the right, and one of us faced you know twelve o'clock, and. Uh, we just they birds were coming in everywhere and calling them left and right and saying hey 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 it's my shot it's my shot no 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 it's my shot <laughs> you know so I think let's hit on mojo tactics and then let's wrap this up okay yeah so mojo tactics you know as I already kind of mentioned in my in my opinion which is no means correct for anywhere else but I like to run them on sunny days and. Keep them away on cloudy days, and generally I don't even bring them out after middle of November. Um, you know, there's guys that'll hunt all season. They'll have five or six mojos, or however many. There's I've seen videos with guys hunting nine or something. 
It's yeah. crazy That's how me. many mojos. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 trying to rag on you or anything. Um, no, no, no. But I like to keep them away. Just you know, once again, going back to my mantra: be different. If mm-hmm. everyone's using mojos, I'm gonna be the guy in the marsh not using mojos. Right. Um, it's just the birds. It seems like. The old birds, they know what they are at this point. Mm-hmm. They are extremely educated to them. Um, you'll catch some new birds, and you'll catch teal because teal are really – they just love mojos uh, for whatever yeah. reason. They, I mean, they're not sure. the smartest duck anyways, but at a mojo a mojo for teal season, I mean, I, you might be able to just call teal in with just a mojo. I don't know. Yeah, that, might I, be, yeah, that might be a good definitely. challenge. <laughs> Now, one thing that I do is people say, oh, man, you use mojos every day? Like every time I hunt, I have a mojo going. And the the thing is, is is they're great for long-range attraction. I think they're crap for finishing birds. Yeah. Um, so what I do is I'll place my mojos 40, 50 yards downwind from the center mass of my spread. Um, or I'll put them in a super high visible spot. Um I know when we would hunt this one particular big lake in New Mexico, I would march my butt about, you know, 50 or 60 yards up the, the hill and place a, a cluster of mojos there um, because that hill was visible where our cove was not. And it looked like birds passing through the uh, the saddle of uh, this ridge to get to, to our, um, our spread. And so I – I always, you know, I'm always fighting with my buddies. They always want to put the mojo in the hole, like right, you know, right in front of us. And I'm always pushing them out, doing weird things with them, shoving them in the, in the timber so that they can, you can barely see them, but they're still catching a glimpse every now and then. But I use a lot of mojos and I generally just keep them away from my spread, but it gets them close. You know what I mean? It gets them in the area. So I like that. That's a. That's a good – I guess there's another decoy for you, an attraction decoy yep. or something yep. like that. Right. Um, but I think we probably talked these guys' ears off enough today. What do you think? Yep, I think so, brother man. <laughs> so, hey, man, I appreciate you coming on the show, um, talking decoys, decoy strategies with me. This is like one of my favorite episodes so far. And uh, if you all are listening to this, you need to go – onto YouTube and check out High Prairie Sportsman. And Prairie is spelt P-R-A-I-R-I-E, just so you're tracking. I did not know that, and I grew up in Nebraska. <laughs> uh, you know, have a college degree, and that stumped me. But, um, yeah, go check out High Prairie Sportsman. They have some really awesome videos, and Matt is really good at educating um, and capturing some good content. And I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that I'm sending you over there for my own um, selfish reasons. I got a I got a hunting video up there that I'm pretty proud of. So, yeah, yeah. and I guess I have you mentioned that you're an HPS member? Oh no, I didn't. I uh, yeah, I'm the HPS uh, uh, Oklahoma slash Texas slash Kansas crew now. So, <laughs> team pipe hitter. Yeah, team pipe hitter, as it were. Um, now, team pipe hitter has disbanded. They those boys, they're now up in um, Washington State. Oh, so yeah. So maybe we'll get some content from them. 
this uh, coming season. And then uh, definitely uh, when when we get into season here, I'm going to be getting some some flyaway reports from you boys from all over the country. But yeah, man. So uh, I guess last thing is is we going to hook up for a, a hunt this upcoming fall. Oh, definitely. We we'll, we will get it done. I want to hit the sand hills with you. Okay, yeah, October, early October or all October, basically. Okay. Um, just good. let me know. Let me know of a date. We will get you on them. Do I need to uh, grab a kayak from my dad before I head up there? Yeah, um, okay. you could. You could wait it, but it's uh, kind of a pain. Yeah. So I would say you know, a kayak. I got all different sorts of little tiny vessels. I got that little pontoon boat. I've got that. Uh, eight foot John boat. And then my dad's got a couple kayaks that are camoed up. So. All right. All right, man. Well, Hey man, thanks for coming on. I appreciate all the, uh, the insight. And once again, listeners go ahead and check out Matt's uh, high prairie sportsman on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all that stuff, man. All right. Later, Matt. Yep. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the foul front waterfowl podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast Group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great-great-grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. I mean, if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like and we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners. So, all right. Stay safe out there and we will see you next week. Head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.